Hello everyone and welcome to Physician Assistant Study Session. I'm your host, McKenna Morgan, and today we'll be discussing valvular disorders. Alright everybody, welcome to episode 2 of chapter 2 of PA Study Sesh. Today we're going to be discussing valvular disorders. So these are essentially our heart murmurs, except for a few that we'll discuss in congenital heart disease. So... Essentially, today we'll be talking about all the stenosis and regurgitation murmurs of our four major valves. So, without further ado, let's get on with our questions. Name a maneuver that increases venous return. There are three options here. Squatting, a leg raise, and lying down. Which murmur has an opening snap? is mitral stenosis. Which murmur may present with a water hammer pulse? And this is aortic regurgitation. Okay, so before we get started, I just want to take a moment to talk about some definitions. First off, we're going to talk about systole. This is when the heart is contracting and um, I will note that you can have atrial systole and ventricular systole. When it comes to what we're discussing, we're talking purely ventricular systole. So again, systole is when the heart is contracting, and diastole is when the heart is relaxing and refilling with blood. We have what's called an S1. This is the beginning of systole, and this is the sound of the AV valves. These are the atrioventricular valves are closing. So that's the mitral and tricuspid valves are closing. So imagine that we've had enough pressure in the ventricles to build up that the AV valves close. This is our lub sound. As opposed to S2, this occurs at the end of systole, and these are the semilunar valves, which are the aortic and pulmonic valves closing. This is the dub. So the cycle we kind of go through is a lub-dub-rest. Lub dub breast. Okay. Topic that applies to all of these murmurs, and instead of repeating them over and over again, I'm just going to talk to you about it at the beginning. And this is called murmur accentuation. So what things can we do that will increase the intensity of a murmur? And I will say the following applies to all murmurs except that of hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, in which the opposite is true. And we'll talk about um, hypertrophic cardiomyopathy with congenital heart disorders. So first off is position. Leaning forward will increase the sound of an aortic murmur. A mitral valve murmur is increased when the patient is in left lateral decubitus position. So that's lying on their left side. Another way to increase murmurs are increasing venous return. And this applies to all murmurs. As our question was, is they are squatting, a leg raise, or lying down? I also want to add in here that increased venous return will cause a click to be later in mitral valve prolapse. We'll talk about that later. Along this line, these are also due to increased venous return, but I think it's just easier to think about them separately, is inspiration increases murmurs on the right side of the heart. 
So how I remember this, right side, second letter is an I with inspiration, increases with inspiration, as opposed to expiration, which increases murmurs on the left side of the heart. Second letter in left is E, increases with expiration. And finally, one last way to increase a murmur is by increasing the afterload. And the afterload is basically the pressure that is pushing backwards on the blood. Uh, so here the maneuver we talk about most is the hand grip maneuver. And this primarily increases those murmurs that are regurgitation. Imagine that it's pushing it backwards. It's going to increase that reverse flow through those regurgitative valves. Before we begin, I'm just going to say that heart murmurs were the bane of my existence with the cardio chapter. I think it takes a lot of repetition, um, and really my goal here is to just kind of simplify and help you narrow it down by finding those common things that, for example, regurgitation murmurs increase with hand grip. So um, just to kind of simplify it, okay, if you have a question stem that it says it increases with hand grip, that narrows it down to a regurgitation. So in going forward, that's what I'm hoping to convey with this information. All right, enough rambling there. Number one we'll start out with is the most common valvular disease, and this is aortic stenosis. Etiology here is calcification, or if they're under 70 years old, we need to be concerned about a bicuspid valve. This is described as a systolic crescendo decrescendo ejection murmur. So crescendo, decrescendo means it's increasing in loudness and then decreasing. This is located at the right upper sternal border, which is pretty easy. That's the location of the aortic valve with radiation to the carotids. If you see a murmur radiates to the carotids, aortic stenosis automatically free point. They also will have a narrowed pulse pressure. So remembering that the pulse pressure is the difference between your systolic and diastolic blood pressure. Here, the aortic valve is narrowed, so the pressure is never going to get as high as it should. So therefore, that difference between the two is going to be smaller. You may also have what's called pulsus parvus atardus. And this is a small delayed carotid pulse, but this is not specific to aortic stenosis, but of the heart murmurs that it could occur with, this is what pulpus parvus et tardis goes with. This can lead to angina, syncope, left ventricular hypertrophy, and congestive heart failure. A note here, I think it's helpful to take a diagram and imagine, okay, if we're blocked out here, the blood is gonna go backwards into the previous chamber. So in here, the aortic valve is narrowed, so the left ventricle has to work harder. Hence, the left ventricular hypertrophy. We'll see that as we go along today. Treatment here, as with most of the heart murmurs, are valve replacement. This generally only occurs once they're symptomatic. And we generally, um, prefer mechanical valves, uh, but they do require lifelong anticoagulation, whereas a bioprosthetic does not. Moving on to mitral stenosis. Etiology here is rheumatic heart disease, rheumatic fever. Those two go together. This is described as an early mid-diastolic rumble 
preceded by an opening snap. This is heard best at the apex, which is the location of the mitral valve, and is increased in the left lateral decubitus position. They, it may also have a prominent S1 heart sound. So imagining that mitral valve is closing very forcefully, making that S1 sound, which marks the beginning of systole, very loud. Symptoms here, the mitral valve is blocked, so the blood is going to be backed up into the left atria and therefore back into the lungs, so they may have pulmonary hypertension. Because the blood is getting backed up into the atria, you may get atrial enlargement leading to atrial fibrillation, as we talked about last week. And they may have what's called mitral facies, and this is called, um, it's flushed cheeks with facial pallor. Treatment here, they can get what's called a percutaneous balloon valvuloplasty. This is meant for younger patients with non-calcified valves. Uh, if they're not either of those, then they get a valve replacement. Moving on to mitral regurgitation. Etiology here, mitral valve prolapse is the number one cause of mitral regurgitation. Number two cause is papillary muscle dysfunction, such as that from ischemia or infarction. This is described as a blowing holosystolic murmur. Holosystolic meaning that you can hear it through the entire um, cardiac cycle. This is best heard at the apex, the mitral valve, so it's at the apex, with radiation to the axilla. Little note here, if you ever hear a blowing murmur, it's a regurgitative murmur, so keep that in mind. And these patients will have a widely split S2. If you want to know why, keep listening. So here, the aortic valve closes early because the left ventricular, the left ventricle is ejecting in a shorter time period. There's not enough blood in the ventricle, so it doesn't need to eject for very long. And then the pulmonic valve closes late because of the increased pressure and the pulmonary hypertension. So they get a widely split S2. Again, same symptoms as mitral stenosis in that they can have pulmonary symptoms and are at risk for atrial fibrillation. Management here is a bit different. We want to repair over replace. Non-operative treatment here are vasodilators such as ACE inhibitors or nitrates. And these decrease the afterload. So remember that afterload is that pressure pushing backwards on the blood. So... Uh, if we lower that, then there's less blood to be pushing backwards through that regurgitative valve. This can also be done with diuretics as well. Okay, just breezing on through here, we're going to talk about aortic regurgitation. This is a diastolic decrescendo, so it starts loud, then goes soft, blowing murmur. So why it says blowing, we automatically know it's regurgitation. It's diastolic, which means it's happened after the ventricles have pumped, which makes sense here because the blood has just been pumped through the aortic valve, and now it's coming backwards during diastole. This occurs in a little bit of a different spot. This is the left upper sternal border. And here they'll have what's called bounding pulses. 
So they have a really big stroke volume, a lot of blood being pushed at once, and they'll have a wide pulse pressure. So a ton of blood gets squeezed out, and then it rapidly drops as it falls back into the heart. So there's a lot of different physical exam signs that go with aortic regurgitation, but they all kind of have something to do with an odd pulse of it's really strong, then soft, strong, then soft. Um, What's here is called a water hammer pulse, and this is of the radial artery. You may also have a Corrigan's pulse, which is the same as a water hammer pulse, but it's of the carotid artery. You may have what's called Quinky's pulses, and this is what uh, the fingernail bed is. You can feel it pulsating. Or De Masset's sign, which is head bobbing. So again, anything that just makes you think like, oh, something is being pushed really hard and then taken back all associated with aortic regurgitation. They may also have what's called an Austin Flint murmur. And this is a mid to late diastolic rumble at the apex. Fun fact, this is because the regurgitated blood is competing with the blood that's coming in. Again, you don't need to know that, but a mid late diastolic rumble at the apex is an Austin Flint murmur. Treatment for aortic regurgitation. Medically, we can reduce afterload. Again, those are our vasodilators. ACEs, ARBs, hydralazine, or nifedipine as well. Surgical is definitive. And pretty much our rule for surgery is if they're symptomatic or they're progressing to heart failure. Here, the left ventricle dilates because the blood is uh, pushing outward, is needing to stretch out the ventricle. Okay. Mitral valve prolapse. This is associated with young women, typically ages 15 to 35. And we usually think of these in patients with connective tissue diseases. And I also found a lot of question stems that it was within a pregnant patient. Things are just a little bit stretchier when you're pregnant. This is described as a mid to late systolic ejection click. And this is at the apex. Again, it's the mitral valve, and it's often asymptomatic. However, it can lead to autonomic dysfunction. They'll complain of palpitations, anxiety, panic attacks, maybe syncope. Treatment, I should say more like management for this, it's just reassurance. They get beta blockers if they're having those autonomic symptoms, but also keeping in mind that a mitral valve prolapse puts them at increased risk of mitral regurgitation. All right, so those are the, I would say the aortic, the aortic and the mitral valve are the ones I think they get tested on the most. It's just why I put them at the beginning of the podcast while you guys had some energy and some brain power left. Uh, pulmonic and tricuspid diseases are on the blueprint, but I think they're just, I just haven't seen them as much in the question. So um, I would emphasize putting your efforts into uh, aortic and mitral. But uh, we're going to talk about them anyway, and we'll start with pulmonic stenosis. This is a congenital disorder. It's described as harsh, mid-systolic, ejection, crescendo, decrescendo murmur. And this is at the left upper sternal border, which is the location of the pulmonic valve. And it radiates to the neck, not to the carotids, to the neck. 
and you may also have a systolic ejection click. And treatment here is a balloon valvuloplasty. Also, I want to make a quick note here, crescendo, decrescendo is typically with stenosis. Not always, but typically. All right, moving on to pulmonic regurgitation. This is also congenital. And you may have what's called a Gram-Steele murmur, which is a brief decrescendo early diastolic murmur at the left upper sternal border with full inspiration. So breaking that down, decrescendo starts out loud, then becomes soft, which makes sense with a regurgitation. It happens during diastole at the left upper sternal border, which is where the pulmonic valve is, with full inspiration. The pulmonic valve is considered to be on the right side of the heart, so it will increase with inspiration. So it's a lot of words, not as complicated as you think. Just break it down. Treatment is not needed for pulmonic regurgitation. All right, the last valve, the tricuspid valve. We'll start with stenosis. This is a mid-diastolic murmur at the left lower sternal border, also called the xiphoid area, or the fourth intercostal space. Again, think of where you put your stethoscope when you auscultate. This is where the tricuspid valve is. Things are backing up, so it can lead to right atrial enlargement and right-sided heart failure. Medical treatment is decreasing volume overload. We do that with diuretics and sodium restriction. And surgery if they're in heart failure or they have decreased cardiac output. All right, last one, tricuspid regurgitation. So regurgitation, it's holosystolic, blowing, high-pitched murmur. So you have two clues there. It's a blowing murmur, which means it's regurgitation. And it's holosystolic which can only happen to the mitral or tricuspid valves. So you've already narrowed it down quite a bit. This is in the sub-xiphoid area. And the key to distinguish this from mitral regurgitation is because the tricuspid valve is on the right side of the heart, which means it will increase with inspiration. This is called Carvalho's sign. And again, here we consider medical versus surgical. Don't think you really need to pay attention that much, as much. All right, guys, that was it. Uh, very brief today. I think this one's helpful just to kind of repeat it over and over again and get those uh, systems in place where we remember that if it's blowing, it's regurgitative. If it's holosystolic, it's either tricuspid or mitral. Crescendo, decrescendo usually means a stenosis of some sort. Um, that is really what kind of helped key me in and understanding all the buzzwords associated with valvular disorders. So let's do some questions. Which murmur radiates to the carotids? This aortic stenosis. Which heart murmur? is strongly associated with rheumatic fever. This is mitral stenosis. Inspiration will increase murmurs on which side of the heart? 
the right. All right, guys, takeaway points. Number one, a blowing murmur equals a regurgitation murmur. Number two, located at the apex means it's the mitral valve. Number three, crescendo, decrescendo, think stenosis. Number four, bounding pulses, or anything that sounds like a crazy pulse, think aortic regurg. Remember, they have a very wide pulse pressure. And number five, holosystolic is only the mitral or tricuspid valve. Okay. Thank you guys for tuning in yet again. Um, really looking forward to any questions, comments, concerns you have. My email is pastudysesh at gmail.com. I will be posting an updated version to the blueprint for those of you who will be taking the pants in January 2019 or later. Uh, not a whole lot of changes, just some verbiage uh, for the most part. I'll talk about that at a later date. Uh, please go on over to the website. It is pastudysesh.blueberry.net. You can also find us on Facebook at pastudysesh. I'd like to thank Lee Rosevere for the use of his songs Curiosity and Tech Toys as the intro, outro, and question portions of our exam. And for next week, I think... Oh, you know, I hadn't even really decided yet what I wanted to talk about. We're going to continue cardio, and maybe we'll talk about um, other forms of heart disease or maybe hypertension. It doesn't really matter because we're going to get through it all at some point. But uh, again, please, I look forward to your feedback. Please tell your friends to subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever they're listening to this podcast right now. Um, and again, thank you guys for tuning in, and I hope you guys have a wonderful week.